0: Hey, it's Nick Sharma here. I'm a business and sales leader in the healthcare and medical devices sector in Auckland, New Zealand. If you're wanting to embrace change, navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannitsos.
1: is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Nick Sharma. He is a seasoned healthcare business leader based here in New Zealand, and Nick has successfully run several million-dollar healthcare businesses, broken company sales records, led national and international teams, managed through multiple mergers and acquisitions, and created new business verticals. Nick, a massive welcome to you.
0: Thanks very much, Dennis. Absolute pleasure to be on
1: the podcast. Excellent. So we have just given the listeners a little bit of a brief about you. Whereabouts are you based?
0: You're in Auckland. Whereabouts are you? I'm in East Auckland and Danny Morrow, Flatbush area.
1: Oh wow. So am I? Hey, that's pretty cool. So we're yeah. in the same yeah, so we're in the same area just about day. See how small this world is, listeners. As leaders, we are very small and that's that's really quite interesting because the community is really important for us as leaders and making sure that we're around people all the time to grow. So, hey, it's cool to know that you're nearby. Fantastic. Wow. Hey, Nick, we've just given the listeners a brief background about you.
0: Tell us more about you. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Yeah, sure. Look, um I was born in, in Fiji Islands. I've been raised in, in New Zealand. So I guess, you know, going back uh when I was a wee lad, uh, a very really keen sportsman, played a lot of rugby school and a club level, um, and then really hustled my way into an unpaid biomedical engineering internship whilst I was completing my last year, my degree. That was really my breakthrough into the healthcare industry. So I've been very fortunate. I've worked with some really leading class, world-class medical device and healthcare companies over the last 20 years. Married to my beautiful wife. Uh, she really doubles as a as a sounding board and a life coach to me a lot of the time. And together we've raised a beautiful little girl, uh, Shaya, who's ten years old. So she's a special needs child born with a very rare genetic syndrome. But you know we always made a promise to ourselves, despite you know a lot of the challenges that she goes through. Wife and I always promised that you know we'd do our absolute best, and that's what really drives me every day. So you know I live by this motto: to do something every day to better, healthier for the most vulnerable.
1: Oh, very cool. That's, that's a nice way of putting it. Thank you for sharing that. Nick, how did you get
0: into leadership? It was very fortunate. I, um, I started managing when I was very young, in my early 20s, uh, back when I was a biomedical engineering manager. And I had a role where I was really doing a lot more than what the role was. Uh, so I really started to lobby and win hospital contracts, looking at building relationships, networking sort of established myself as an authority in that space. And what happened at that sort of phase, it caught the eye of one of our competitors, who was a little bit smaller, but they were climbing and becoming bigger. So instead of fighting me, they decided to approach me and offer me a new opportunity. So it was a pure play sales and business leadership role with focus to scale the business, uh, manage and upskill his staff and introduce new verticals. So I took on the new role, uh, delivered the results pretty quickly, and more importantly, helped me realize what my calling was and I guess the rest is, is history. So what
1: is your calling?
0: I think where I sort of find myself, and you know, a lot of the time, there's, there's a buzzword that gets thrown around at the moment, entrepreneur. So it's different from an entrepreneur where the entrepreneur really has the skin in the game. They co-found a lot of the, the businesses, whereas the intrapreneur is really the, the same sort of mindset, but they obviously haven't developed the company, but they run the business like it's their, their own. And I think that's where I sort of come in and the, the skill set that I bring, I can jump into Most of the businesses, particularly in healthcare, quickly assess, you know, what's going on and then look at uh, different verticals, different opportunities within the business to to build up that scope and and look at uh, greener fields.
1: Yeah, excellent. That's, That's a really great skill to be able to go and do that, right, and look at organizations. So tell me something, when you say about the entrepreneurship side of things, entrepreneur rather than entrepreneur, it's, and you said it's almost like running your own business, even though it's not your own business. It's, uh, I think for me, it sounds like to me that it's about somebody who's taking care of the business. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I've seen a lot of organizations spend dollars, leaders have spent dollars, and it's not their money, but they've gone and wasted money. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Is that what you mean? Absolutely. I think, you know, the way I sort of classify leaders, they're two prongs, so two buckets. There's ones that are called short-term leaders. Uh, so they really are really concerned about quick turnarounds, Quick gains, uh, ready to make themselves look good. And I call them short term leaders, but a lot of the time their tenures aren't really short term. Uh, whereas the, the wholesome leaders are the ones that are really hard to come by, but they actually are the ones that take care, nurture the business, uh, really look after their staff, customers, they're quite ethical. And I guess their their point of view is really, you know, it's it's long-term um, and they're obsessed with, with making sure that they can retain the talent in the, in the company and continue it in the right trajectory.
1: So did you say short-term and wholesome? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that. It's whole, short-term leaders versus wholesome leaders, and uh, it's more of the long-term side of things. And it's probably like the whole sort of packaged scenario, and I love it. I, I think it's really good. Nick, you may have several people here, but I'm going to ask you to think about one. And this person can be alive
0: or from history. Who's your favourite leader and why? Yeah, I think one leader that you know really deserves a mention here is Tony Adlin. So he's a MD that I worked under whilst I was at ModemFact Meditech uh, Telco slash uh, healthcare company. And the reason why I sort of mention him is that his style really captivated me. So it was now, a couple of points uh, and what really drew me uh, towards him and trying to emulate him as a leader is he was very kind, down-to-earth, and approachable. So there was really no ego mania going on there. But he was also very quick to identify skills and talents within the teams, including myself. And he encouraged people. encourage encouraged dialogue. encourage encouraged collaboration. Great communicator. And I think, you know, those type of aspects and attributes that he had really rubbed off on me. And that's what we – you know, I really see that this – Leadership is everywhere and, you know, whether it be at home, at work or whatever uh, aspect of life, you're picking up things from leaders around you. So it could be your parents, you know, school, teachers, friends, and we are part and partial of you know, what we're learning through leadership throughout life. So I think, you know, that's uh, some of the characteristics that I definitely picked up from, from Tony. But, you know, I think we draw a lot and, you know, there is good leadership versus bad leadership. So uh, really important to know, you know, what you're learning and I guess what you're displaying in the world, in the marketplace. Um,
1: yeah, and displaying it is really important, right? In other words, how you're role modelling it for others and how you're showing up because others are watching us uh, as leaders and, and it's important for us to do that. And, and it's well, important for us to understand it, and then and then back that up with actually the right actions as well, which is really important. You mentioned the word encourager. How was he an encourager? Can you give us an example? of? I don't have to be specific names and things like that.
0: I just wanted to understand a little bit more what you mean by encourager. Yeah, so the business there was different in a sense where it played in two sectors. So it played in the telco sector and also in the healthcare sector. So he was able to understand that my strengths were really healthcare. That, that was my background. That's what I knew. So he brought me in in, in a two prong approach where he really wanted me to obviously lead the team and do a lot of the management duties. But again, concentrate back into what I was good at, you know, which is the healthcare side. So he really got me started on uh, specific projects, projects that we sort of detailed and outlined, but also some of the other projects that weren't quite in that fruition phase. So you know, he was able to encourage me to take that step, to step outside of my comfort zone as well, You know, make those engagements, do some amazing presentations. Uh, we, I remember doing one for Christchurch uh, whilst they were undergoing the whole rebuild post the earthquakes. And that really helped empower me to to understand that, look, you know, we're, we're serving a great purpose here, but, you know, we're the team that could really take them to the next level as well. So I think uh, that's where I really drew encouragement. Brilliant. Well, that's really good. Now,
1: the show here is called Leadership That Is Changing. And when I say that title or that
0: statement to you, Nick, what does that mean to you? I think there's a huge emphasis on mental health and remote employment, uh, shorter work weeks, uh, contractors, freelance employees, it's rapidly becoming the norm. So leaders, including myself, that can sort of adapt these types of initiatives are going to be the ones that excel in the future. I think the leaders also have to be quite holistic in in their approach, uh, express empathy, demonstrate adaptability, collaboration, willingness to, to listen to other points of view. Because of COVID, I think leadership is it's different now where remote leadership has now become a thing. I myself, I'm going into a general management role overseeing uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, early next year. So traditionally, these types of roles are offered to Australians because they occupy a the bigger part of the ANZ territory, uh, whereas companies are now recognising the talent first and then understanding that you know we could use remote management as a tool. And again, that's a byproduct of, of COVID.
1: Yeah, it totally is, and, I, and I'm seeing that more and more as well, whereby that remote management, as you said, is really important. We're not, you know, listeners, we're not saying that face-to-face is not important anymore. We're not We're not saying that at all. But what we're saying is that there are people around the world who are very talented, have the right skills, experience, and scalability, whereby we can tap into them now. So we have a bigger footprint or a bigger reach of actually finding talent that we can tap into who can be remote. Yeah, we might need to travel when we can, and be together with people. But I think it's really, really important time to identify that talent, engage them, and, and then reap the rewards of actually having that talent around us as well. So that's, that's pretty cool. Hey, Nick, we're in a fast-paced changing world and it's changing all the time. What makes a
0: leader successful in, today in that kind of world? Yeah, I think they need to be really emotionally intelligent. So the ability to understand people quickly reach decisions, minimize impact, and really maximize opportunity. I think it's one of the hardest skills to acquire, but really that's what sets a really good leader from the pack. Leaders have to constantly evolve as well, you know, stay competitive and relevant to the industry. I think top leaders need to embrace change and almost be comfortable being uncomfortable or probably better put, ability to know what to do when you don't know what to do. So I think study leaders outside of those industries really gives you some really good insights. And success always leaves clues. So I really feel that, you know, that's where successful leadership is in this sort of ever-changing world. We need to look at what's happening in in the greater space and learn and see if we can put them into our industries and hopefully win win more.
1: Yeah, and Nick, I like what you said because, I mean, there's a quote that we keep hearing every now and then, which is, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. But I like the way you put it, which was, know what to do when you don't know what to do. That's awesome. I think that's a very key thing for a lot of people, and and I think how can you get into that situation of knowing what to do when you don't know what to do? What what could people do to prepare
0: for that? One or two things to think about. Yeah, it's it's a weird sort of mind space to be in, and I think for us personally, you know, with some of the challenges that we've gone through personally with my daughter, you know, every day there's there's challenges for us, and it's it's almost become. A, a headspace where there's things going on all around you, you know, this sort of, I guess, control chaos a lot of the time. And then, you you know, you inject uh, other uh, situations with work and, you know, what's happening globally and COVID and so forth. But I think the the most important thing is to really understand that, you know, you need to be focused uh, on what uh, your key deliverables are. So for me, it's, it's really programming myself every day yep. and really ensuring that, you know, I know what my priorities are and I think, you know, as leaders, you need to have not too many priorities, but at least have three to five that you check off. And the same thing with work, same, sorry, same thing with family, same thing with your life, same thing with health. And that really gets you sort of ticking the boxes and then go through some type of assessment at the end of the day to ensure that, you know, you've met those priorities. And it's a, it's a good way to sort of leverage, you know, that type of concept and, and get, get work done.
1: Yeah, I think it's where it can actually focus you to get the things done, cuts the noise out then you're actually doing the things more proactively and on those things rather than being reactive and just jumping to whatever is actually happening around you. And, you know, for a lot of people, they get distracted because here's the next shiny thing. Boom, let's go. We're off. And um, the, the people lose the focus. And it's not just the focus, it's the momentum. In other words, they've got to start yeah. again, right?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, there's just so much noise out today. Mm. And, you know, with social media and I guess, you know, what's happening around the world at the moment. It's very easy to get lost in what's going on. Whereas you know, I think a lot of the time we just need to almost, I think my wife puts it beautifully. She, she says, energy is your currency. And I think, you know, I sort of, I, I love that, that, that idea because, you know, what, where you focus is really what's going to flow into your life. So, uh, really important to pay, pay note to that and, and ensure that you know, you're doing what really matters.
1: Very cool. Energy is your currency. I like it. That's that's an excellent one. Yeah. Hey, um, you and I have been talking about leaders and so forth. Let's change the lens. Let's look through a different lens right now. Let's think about employees from their perspective. In your view, how are employees' expectations of leaders changed? COVID's
0: really created this worldwide revolt at the moment. You know, the Great Resignation. So you know, staff are just resigning because they don't align with the culture, company ethos. Of leadership any longer. So I think the deeper conversation that's really driving it is work-life balance, that family is really important, you know, and vulnerabilities of life. So COVID, I think, has just been a real catalyst. So employees will will hold leaders a lot more accountable in the new era, uh, specifically on you know, humanistic efforts towards staff, customers, environment. I feel employees will have a much louder voice in years to come. And I think that's where there's been a real shift in terms of expectation,
1: and employees will definitely be driving that in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's so exciting to see where it's all going to go as well, right? And I, I'm seeing a lot of employees are expecting a lot more from leaders. They are wanting to be – actually, what they want is they actually – I'm hearing as well, and it's going along the lines of what you're saying. They want to be heard. They want to be listened to. They want to be – because a lot of them have some great ideas, but sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. And if we can give them the opportunity to do that, that'd be really good.
0: Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the, the future business and wins really lies, you know, in your teams. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of people there that really know the industry. Sometimes they know it better than a lot of the leaders. So it's really, you know, just taking a bit of a different approach in terms of, you know, having that collaboration and, and, and letting them be heard. And that helps not only empower them, but create some amazing ideas.
1: Yeah, yeah, very good. And you're based in the health industry, and you've seen a lot happening, especially in the last two years, as we've been going through the pandemic and so forth. And a lot of employees, being the doctors, the nurses, the health practitioners, people being supporting a lot of people, there's a lot of fear out there in, in the community and right across the world. There's been a lot of fear and so forth. And so, how have those kind of people, doctors, nurses, health practitioners, and that, how have they had held the ship
0: steady? to move forward and, and stay positive? How, how have they done that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really coming back to the, the crux of being able to empower your staff and ensuring that you know, they are meeting their objectives. So we usually have a mindset in healthcare that, and I remember the first day when I started in healthcare, that, you know, whatever you're doing, you have to do it to the best of your ability because, you know, it could be your grandmother you know, on that table. It could be one of your loved ones that's getting treatment. And that's really been the mindset for a lot of healthcare practitioners to to have that sort of mindset to ensure that, you know, you're doing your best to serve that community, those patients, the people that you're obviously trying to help. Or if you're from the other end where I am with healthcare technology is to to assist and obviously support the clinicians to enable them to do their work pretty well. So it's really going back to the basics and and really looking at healthcare in, in a nurturing way. And those are the types of people that we want in healthcare, and those are the types of people generally that we have in healthcare.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. They're nurturing, absolutely. And I like what you said as well about, you know, doing things to the best of your ability. And I think that that goes right across the board. And if everyone took that kind of attitude and that kind of approach, it would be great to see people doing the best that they can do based on their ability, right, what they can. And very good. I actually see, I see a lot of people who are very talented, but at times – they're just not bringing their A-game, if I can put it that way. And I ask myself, why? Why are they not bringing their A-game And Is it because of the board? Is it because there's something they're not sure about? Have you actually seen that as well, Nick? Um,
0: any thoughts around that? Absolutely. I've, I've seen some amazingly talented people, you know, a lot more talented than than I ever was at that time. And they just simply didn't. I, I think it's more internal than anything, you know, that there's – there's specific times and specific, I guess, things and phases that you go through in life where they just get comfortable. Mm. And it's, it's a pity because, you know, that, like you said, that there's some amazing people out there and talent that really could be used in leadership. They could really propel you know, any business and, and their own careers. I feel that, you know, they, they probably get to a point where it's not that they don't want to grow. I think there's a fear of growth and what they will bring. And a lot of the time that's probably what stops them from taking that next step and, and really expanding themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that complacency or getting comfortable in that space is really a, a trap. And for a lot of people, they do get into that. It's a bit like driving, right? When you're first learning to drive, you're <laughs> checking the mirror and you've got both hands on the steering wheel. But a little bit later on, once you start to get a bit more comfortable with it and and a little bit complacent if I can put it that way hands out the window one hand on the steering wheel there's that type of thing too and so I think a lot of people go into what I call autopilot they're just doing day in and day out and I'm like come on how can you bring every day and be deliberate about what you're doing and bringing some purpose and some confidence to it because you'll actually show up a lot totally different to somebody else who's in autopilot for sure absolutely Mm. okay I'm gonna get you to get your crystal ball
0: out here where do you see leadership being in five years? It's not a strange phenomenon, but you know, social media is playing a massive part in how leaders are marketed today. So you know, platforms like LinkedIn, Clubroom, uh, where you know, there's a community getting all this information, but also internal staff are actually getting a lot of the information from these platforms. So the messaging, you know, how leaders are portrayed the major influence is, is a major influence on staff morale, you know, driving company vision. And future recruitment. So social media is going to play an even bigger role in the future. And um, that's a dynamic that, you know, it's it's omnipresent at the moment. I think it's going to it's going to really take over and really start to separate a lot of companies. And it's an opportunity, I guess, for some sort of emerging or new tech companies that come into that space that recognize that, uh, really leverage that and take advantage of it. The new generation of leaders are also obviously going to be a lot younger, a lot more savvy, tech smart, equipped with ideas as baby boomer leaders uh, start to retire. So top leaders need to be connected, uh, staying ahead of trends, being adaptable and able to pivot and shift when opportunities uh, present themselves. Hmm. But, you know, technology can also be a blessing or a curse. So, you know, (laughs) technology validation uh, will be huge for leadership um, in the future. You need to know what you need to, to use. And, you know, there's just going to be so much emerging tech coming that I think leadership in a sense, that's going to be a a major part of, you know, selecting what's going to be the future away from the noise. I think the last one that I really wanted to sort of point out there is, you know, collaboration between companies that traditionally have probably been competitors will start to really start to collaborate together. So. The startup sector is
1: really—it's
0: putting a lot of pressure on legacy companies. So, where these traditional companies can probably partner up would be a win-win strategy for these legacy companies. And you're starting to see that with some of the the bigger conglomerates, you know, like GE being an example, where they're splitting up, you know, going into three or four smaller companies. And we'll start to see a lot more of that with time to come. And I think it's going to have its strengths, and that's probably the only way they can really uh, combat this this new sort of wave of startups that are coming our way. Oh,
1: so yeah, so much so. And we actually experienced that with Hewlett Packard globally. So we split it into four companies. And the, the sum of four are way better than what it was as one. And uh, totally different, yeah, for sure. I like what you said there about, you know, in relation to what we're thinking about in the next five years, social media. LinkedIn is really, really important. And I think what a lot of leaders don't understand is how important it is. It's not that you're going to sit on there like a Facebook scenario or Twitter or whatever every time, of the, every minute of the day. It's about your shop front. It's about you and your brand, which is you. And um, what you can do is your shop front and people are getting to understand you. But I think the other thing here, Nick, is that leaders are needing to be not only digital savvy, but also active in the digital world too, because it's going to be so important to see what's going on and you know, take on board what you're saying. I think it's that's great. So, yeah, very cool. Hey, Nick, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go?
0: Yeah, look, I'm on LinkedIn, so you've got the contact there. And also I've got my own website, so uh, www.nicksharma.com. I've got yeah some reach there. Uh, you can connect with me there. Yeah, those are probably the two best ones to give me on. Excellent. So, listeners, we'll put those
1: in the show notes. You'll be able to see those links there. So, once again, Nick, thank you so much for being on today's show. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them. Have a listen. Put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your family, your friends, and your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now.